Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. During the captivity of God's people Israel, God had near-direct dealings with the tyrannical Pharaoh as he held God's people in against God's demand to let them go. Pharaoh in this ancient story represents God's enemy who resisted God's demand and refused again and again. This story depicts not just the situation in that ancient time. Today's Pharaoh is still resisting God and occupying God's people with so many distracting and enslaving items. And Dick Taylor is here again as we look at this well-known battle between God and his enemy, a battle that occupies some 10 chapters in Exodus. This is an interesting portion of the word, isn't it, Dick? It really is, and very applicable to our Christian living. Dick, in this section today, covering God's dealing with Pharaoh, I know that many people know this passage of the Old Testament, or at least some of the items in it. But I think we'll see some things today that will be very fresh very connected to our own experience of the Lord. This is really true because uh, in this portion, we see God's people needing to be freed from slavery and to be feasting unto the Lord, indicating God's desire is that we would be people who are really, really enjoying him. You know, this is a life study. Every message is a life study message. What's life? Life is just the wonderful Christ himself who's now inside of all of us believers as our very eternal life. And the Lord's desire is we would enjoy him as life. This broadcast brings us through Exodus to the very desire within God's heart that we would enjoy him to the uttermost, and the result of our enjoyment is that he himself is made extremely happy by our enjoyment of his Son. We really need to pay attention to these uh, chapters here in Exodus because this is really related to Christ as our life and the very experience of this life. Also, we'll see today in this message, not only Christ is our life, but we also see the resistance to this life. So it brings us to our actual experience of going on in the Christian life with our dear Christ. Well, Dick, there's a lot to see in this old story. It will not be old, I guarantee our listeners, by the time we're through today. Let's join Witness Lee for the first portion. After the call of the children, when we come to a number of conflicts from chapter 5 to the end of chapter 14, all these 10 chapters are a record of the conflict between God and Pharaoh. In chapter 5, we have the first conflict. God coming to Pharaoh to make a deal. He didn't say, yes, these people are too bad. They are still Jacob. And I am the God of Jacob. But anyhow, I can do something. 
God didn't make a deal in this way. God came to Pharaoh directly and told Pharaoh, you have to realize, I am that I am. You can never change me. As these people, they are transformed. They are Israel. They are not Jacob. And they also are the Hebrews. Israel means transformed. And Hebrews means what? They crossed the Red Sea already. Don't keep them on this side of the Red Sea. They are the crossers. They are the river crossers. I am that I am. Whatever I say, it will be. I say they are Hebrews. They are Hebrews. You can never keep them here in Egypt. Whatever I say, it'll be. And I am the God of Israel. All my children people are victors. All are kings. When God was dealing with Jacob, his name was Jacob. Now God was not dealing with Jacob. God was dealing with the usurper of Jacob. So God told the usurper, you have to realize I am the God of Israel. And I'm also the God of the Hebrews. They are the river crossers. You shouldn't keep them here. They are victors. They are kings. How could you keep them under your slavery? Making them slaves. They are not slaves. They are victors. They are what? Kings. And this is the demand. The demand of such a one. Who is Jehovah? Who is the God of Israel? And who is the God of the Hebrews? Let my people go. Let my people go. That they may hold a feast unto me. In the wilderness. Feast is in contrast with the slavery. Feast is in contrast with that kind of a rigorous labor. Pharaoh, my people have been under your hand as slaves suffering your slavery. But I would tell you, let them go, that they may feast. They may feast unto me. This means when they feast, I'm happy. They will be feasting unto me. Now, Pharaoh, let me tell you, I'm not happy in seeing my people under your slavery. Let them go, that they may feast, to make me happy. I like to see my people enjoying. I like to see my people feasting. I like to see my people doing nothing. All day round, just eating, singing, praising. That is a kind of a feast unto me. The word feast here actually means a worship that has God dispense into us for our enjoyment that we could have a feast in His presence with Him and into Him. And this is the worship that God wanted. Dick, there's a lot in this portion that we could talk about, the different titles for Jehovah, the way that he dealt with Pharaoh. But I'd like to focus on God's intention in bringing Israel out was that they would hold a feast. This touched me. God's view that their feast equals worship. This is not like our common view of worship, is it, Dick? No, it certainly isn't. I love this verse, Chris. 5.1 says, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. 
just this little phrase, feast unto me, helps us a lot related to the real significance of worship. A feast does not imply a kind of wrong concept related to the word worship. You know, the word worship actually, one of the definitions in the Greek is run forward and kiss. This is really precious. You know, in John 4, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in reality. In other words, worship means we have a good time with the Lord. And as a result of our good time with the Lord, God himself is made happy. As we sing and praise and eat and drink and rejoice in our wonderful, precious Lord Jesus, expressing over and over again, Lord Jesus, you are so wonderful. What happens is we're constituted with this Christ we're enjoying, and there's a sacrifice that goes up to God for his satisfaction and joy. You know, God doesn't enjoy anything except his son. So the more we eat and drink and breathe and call on and sing and praise and rejoice in our living Christ, the more we are made happy and God is happy because we feast unto him and even there's a sacrifice offered unto him for his satisfaction. This is the proper understanding of worship. Sometimes we just think it's uh, kind of just bowing down, uh, doing certain procedures, mostly outward. God's concern when he said, let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me, was that they would really enjoy me. And the result of this enjoyment is we're constituted with him through his dispensing himself into us. And then we become a feast unto him. He himself enjoys. The highest worship is when his people are full of the enjoyment of him. He himself is made happy by their enjoyment of him, and there's a sacrifice offered up to God. This is precious. This is the kind of worship we really need. Even when we do this uh, broadcast, brothers, I just believe there's a feast every time because we enjoy Christ. And there's also a sacrifice to God because he enjoys what he has dispensed of himself into us. So isn't this precious? This is the proper, healthy concept of worship. Dick, it's not at all what we typically think. Man's joy is really related to man's diet, man's eating, isn't it? These two are always connected, it seems. That's true. Whenever you're eating, you're happy. You consider us. How about God? God is happy when his people are happy. So he's telling Pharaoh, I want my people out of this slavery. They need to be enjoying me. Well, that's a perfect lead-in to our next section. We're going to see another aspect of this Pharaoh blocking God's people from their real enjoyment, their real feast. Here's Witness Lee. Who is Pharaoh? Yeah, Satan is Pharaoh. How about you? Actually, the practical Pharaoh is yourself. Now, who is Pharaoh? What is Pharaoh? Pharaoh is one that uh, keeps God's people from feasting to God. I'm afraid even some of you young sisters have been Pharaoh a lot of times. You keep God's people from feasting unto God, from coming to sacrifice to God. The husband brothers being Pharaohs to frustrate the sister wives from coming to the sacrifice unto God. And sometimes the wives do the same thing. 
Sometimes the parents do the same thing. The mother, she loved to see all her children would、uh, be the first in the class. So she did the best to be the pharaoh, to、uh, unsleeve all her children, trying the best to keep them away from the meetings. Well, it doesn't sound so nice. A mother is so concerned. For her children's schooling, this is wonderful. But how about the feast unto the Lord? Now, which is more important, the feast unto the Lord or the schooling? It's hard to say. But be careful. Don't be a pharaoh. Sometimes we condemn Satan too much. Satan, you are just a pharaoh. Yet you have to condemn yourself. You are a more subjective pharaoh. You are a more practical fellow. You are a fellow not only to others, but even the more to yourself. You would not let yourself go. Would you let yourself go to feast unto the Lord? Many times, nobody frustrated you, but yourself. You frustrated yourself. You kept yourself from the meeting. You took a lot of excuses, tired, exhausted, so you stay home. Just after two and a half minutes, phone call came. You have a lot of vigor to talk to people over the phone. Don't think just Satan is Pharaoh. Everybody can be Pharaoh. Even you yourself can be Pharaoh to others and even to yourself. When ourself is possessed and usurped by Satan, this self becomes Pharaoh. Dick, this section might sound a little strange. Let me ask you about it. Very simply, what does it mean, Dick, that we sometimes become a pharaoh? Well, pharaoh is someone who keeps us from feasting unto the Lord, and we know that pharaoh signifies Satan. But ourself, under Satan's possession and under Satan's usurping, becomes the practical and subjective pharaoh. That says, "No, I will not let you go to hold a feast to your Lord." So many times we ourselves become a pharaoh. In other words, there's a desire within the depth of our being, our spirit, to feast unto the Lord, even with the other believers. But there's also something within us that says no. So rather than feasting, going to a meeting to enjoy Christ together, we decide stubbornly, "No, I'm going to go home." I'm just going to stay home. We may end up just spending some needless hours on the television, or we end up on a telephone call for two or three hours talking nonsense. Pharaoh does not want to let God's people go, that they might enjoy Him in a feasting way in the wilderness. That means freed from all these worldly things. So this brings us even to the reference in Hebrews ten. Where even the apostle Paul said, "Some are forsaking the assembling; they refuse to go to the feast." Mainly, what happened is their self got usurped and possessed by Satan. They go off and do their own thing. This is a tragedy. But God's salvation is to rescue us from needless busyness, that we might be using our time in a good way. Not only alone, but with other believers to really enjoy Christ. I think we can see the principle of Pharaoh in Matthew 24. It says, "As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man." 
They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They were doing many things that even looked legitimate, but they were totally occupied and kept away from feasting unto the Lord. So the Lord exposed this as this is the kind of thing that's going to happen. And this is even by good things we can be usurped by Satan to be kept from enjoying Christ. We need to eat. We need to drink. We should be properly married and given in our marriage, but they're all so that we can hold a feast unto the Lord. So I think it's clear now we can see that we sometimes ourselves become a Pharaoh, resisting even God's desire to have a feast with his people, away from everything of the world, and just enjoying him. We need to really be on guard that none of us would yield to this subtlety. Dick, we've mentioned a couple of times this matter of feasting, and a critical element for a feast is that it includes more than one person. Let's go to Witness Lee for this final section. Whenever we come together properly, we come together to do what? To feast unto the Lord. We come together to sacrifice unto our God. It's not just a meeting. It's not just a gathering. This is a feasting unto the Lord. Dear ones, do you believe that today there is still God in this universe? Do you believe that today the Lord is on this earth? What he's doing? Suppose we Christians don't have the proper gathering. What could the Lord do? The Lord could do nothing. You have to realize this gathering is not a small thing. Some of the children of Israel might have thought that as long as I got out of the hand of Pharaoh and I get out of Egypt, that would be okay. But God said, no, that would not be okay. You must go to the gathering. You must go to the feast. And the feast is a corporate thing. A feast needs a group of people to eat together with you. After you be saved, right away, you must attend the feast. And the feast means what? The gathering. If you miss some meeting, it means you miss some enjoyment. For you to miss, is for God to miss something. If you miss a feast, and God has no feast. If you miss a feast, God misses the sacrifice. It is not a small thing. While I'm speaking, and while you all are listening to his word, I tell you, don't you believe that this is a feast? And don't you believe this is also a sacrifice to our God? It's not a small thing. So, Pharaoh condemning them, as idle, we are doing things here which people would consider idleness. But we know we are not idle here. Neither we are busy here. What are we doing here? We are feasting. We are sacrificing. This is the proper life. What is God's salvation? God's salvation, dear ones, is just to rescue you out of the busyness to spend some time with the saints in the meeting. Isn't this wonderful? Yeah. Oh, this is, oh, this is the Christian life. Our life is not that busy. But never to be idle is to have a good time. Sometimes my wife would ask me, what are you doing there? Nothing. <laughs> Just nothing. I was idle there. 
Well, do look to the Lord that many of us may realize such a conflict between God and God's enemy, Pharaoh, and our natural self. That God wants us to take three days' journey into the wilderness to fish to him and to sacrifice to him, but Pharaoh, Satan, our natural self, would not let us go. Even now let others go. We must see this, but hallelujah. We're all here in the wilderness, enjoying the feast and offering the sacrifice to our God. Dick, we've been talking about this matter of feasting throughout the program today, but let's come back and consider it from the standpoint that Witness Lee brought us to in this last section. A feast really implies the corporate aspect of God's people, doesn't it? We can't exactly have a feast by ourselves. No, we cannot. Uh, Suppose, Chris, uh, your wife just fixed this tremendous dinner with course after course after course. Then she left. Your kids left. There's no one around, and uh, you're sitting there. Do you think you will have a feast? No, you'll have a miserable time with a lot of food sitting there. But suppose you have a lot of people there to enjoy that food with you. That is a feast. The Lord's Day meeting this week, oh, when we had the Lord's table, I just tell you, our loving of the Lord and the singing of the hymns, I just felt like I was doing nothing but feasting unto the Lord. And I felt the Lord was also receiving a sacrifice of himself having been dispensed into us as our enjoyment. Lots of rejoicing. I was in a prayer meeting last night with many young people, college age. I just can't tell you how good it was. It was a feast. There was rejoicing, there was praising, there was singing, there was eating, there was drinking, and I just sensed God himself really received the worship. Because of what he dispensed into us, that Christ could be offered back to him as a sacrifice. We were happy, and he was happy. This is a feast. A feast cannot be held just with one person. So we need many. In fact, the more the better. Isn't it good, Chris, that it's not even just you and me here, but even in the studio here, we got Brother Robert, even the three. This helps us to feast a little more. And we hope all of you who are listening to this program would enjoy this matter. Find some others who love to enjoy this Christ, who uh, really appreciate even this ministry. You know what will happen? You get together and you fellowship about all the things you've heard in the life study. You will have a feast. Dick, our best programs have been those where there has been a genuine feasting as we have been preparing them and enjoying them ourselves. You're absolutely right. This kind of experience, this corporate feasting, enjoying experience has to be satisfying to God. The evidence is how satisfied we ourselves are as we offer this kind of enjoyment back to him. What a feast. What a real worship this is. What a feast. What a worship. You know, and you know why we're so happy? And you know why all of you who are listening can be so happy and joyful in the Lord? Because out of this portion in Exodus, you see how God himself is made happy. When we're really enjoying his son, we not only have the enjoyment, but God himself is made happy through our feasting. Our joy is made full to the uttermost when God himself is happy. May this life study broadcast with all who are listening become those who participate with real enjoyment in Christ 
to become a real joy to our God in this universe. You know, Dick, in this last section, Witness Lee also touched the matter of busyness and how Pharaoh, today's Pharaoh, occupies us today with extreme busyness. There's really no other way to be free from our busy daily activities than by this feasting. We can encourage one another, oh, don't be so encumbered, don't be so bothered with all these things. But really, if there's no feasting, there's no getting away from the busyness of life, is there? There isn't, no. I remember one time I was quote-unquote busy, and a brother came to my door, and there was a meeting that night, a feast, and he said, "Uh, you going to the meeting? I said, no, I'm not going tonight. And I still remember, this was 20, this was 30 years ago, I still remember the look on his face through the screen door, and he said, you're not going to the meeting? That look of his penetrated me. I have not missed a meeting since then because I realized he was trying to save me from just mere outward busyness to come into the real feasting unto the Lord. And that night, even when I went, I enjoyed the Lord to the maximum. Well, Dick, I've enjoyed the Lord to the maximum in our time together today. So uh, as always, I'm going to invite you back very soon. I'll be back very soon. And we'd like to invite you back as we once again come to the life study of Exodus as these messages open up and remove layer after layer of the things that seem to separate us from Christ. How we worship the Lord that we have such a ministry to open up such a portion in his word. Today, for Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.